You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Now this year, we've decided to study in our Christmas to Remember series four different words. Four words that are synonymous with Christmas. Hope, peace, love, and joy. Say those with me. Hope peace, love, and joy. And we, these are words that you will see at Christmas time on a Christmas tree. You'll see it on a mantle. You'll see it on a banner. And uh, in fact, for those of you that have been tracking with us, how many of you have noticed these four words popping up in your life? Come on, let me just see your hand. Yeah. So I know you, you've been noticing. In fact, someone came up to me this week and said, Pastor, look at my sweater. And it had three out of the four of these. It said peace, love, and joy right on the front. And they're like, look, it's the Christmas uh, series. And I said, where's the hope? And I said, all right, we're going to print hope right on the back, nice and big. And, uh, and they were they're excited about that. But these are words that we think of when we think of Christmas. But these are not just words that are cliche. These words carry significance. These are important words. And so far in the series, we've talked about having real hope. We've talked about having real peace, that it's possible. And it's not just for those that are gullible or those that are superstitious or even super spiritual. But we find real hope and we find real peace rooted in the one person who has the power and the authority to affect the hope and peace in our own lives. That one person is the person that we celebrate at Christmas. That person is the person that we can say with confidence, hope is here. Peace is here, and that person is Jesus. And we're going to take it one step further this week, and we're going to say that love is here as well. And when we say love is here, what we mean is that Jesus, Jesus Christ himself, he is here, he's with us, he's Emmanuel, it is Christmas. Now, when we study love today and we look at these, uh, this in God's Word, we understand that the Scripture, that love is a primary theme in the Bible. There are 66 books in this Bible. There are 1,200 chapters, 40 different authors, written over 1,500 years. And, but it's more than just a book, a compilation of books. It, this is a love story to you and to me. It's God's love story to us. And when you start to study the word love written in God's word, we will see love uh, between 700 and 800 times, depending on the version of the Bible that you're reading. And there's one writer out of all the 40 writers that wrote Scripture, uh, wrote the Word of God, that really honed in on the idea of love. In fact, if you have been reading our SOAP reading, which is our Bible reading program for the church, this last week we read 1 John, and in 1 John we see 46 times the word and the idea of love being used. The Apostle John is that author that really hones in on love. And in the Gospel of John, you see the word love used 57 times. You look at all of John's writings together, and it makes up 20% of the time that love is mentioned in the Bible. It was through the Apostle John. 
And you can summarize it with one verse in 1 John 4.16 where he says that God is love. God is love. But that's not the verse that most of you probably were thinking of. That if you were saying, okay, what's the single greatest verse of all time in Scripture? What sums up the love story idea? It would be, no question, John 3, 16. You got it. And let's just look at it. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world, right? that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And I get it. This is a simple verse. It's a basic verse to our faith. But I want you to see that this verse is Christmas. Look at it. For God so loved the world that he gave. At Christmas time, we talk about it. So God, who is love, right, he gave a gift who is Jesus, his son, and that equals love. The good news, church, is that love is here. Love is here, and we want to dive into that. And it's 2019, it's Christmas time, and it's Christmas week, it's our Christmas Sunday, and we want it to be unforgettable, and I get it. There are some, even maybe among us, that you're saying, you know what, I would rather forget this Christmas. There are people watching online that are not here today because Christmas is too difficult this year. They're not feeling the love. We understand that in 2019 there have been ups and there's been some downs and it can be tough for some people at the holidays. The holidays can remind us of the dysfunction in our own lives or in our families. The holidays remind us of pain, reminds us of the mistakes that we've made. The holidays can represent loss. In fact, I just talked with a a young man earlier. His girlfriend's mom passed away just this past Friday. It's like, it's heart-wrenching. The holidays can be tough. The holidays can remind you of the loneliness that you feel. And again, if you're watching online and you're feeling these things, stay tuned because we've got a message of hope. But just because you're here today doesn't mean that everything is smooth and up and to the right. And I get that. And what I want you to know is that you are in good company. You say, what? You're in good company. Because today is about the Christmas story. The Christmas story is found in Matthew chapter 1 and 2, and then in Luke 1 and 2. And I want to give you an assignment that this week, I want you and your family to read the Christmas story. Read it from the, from the Bible, or look it up online if you don't have a Bible. Find a copy of God's Word and read the Christmas story. Because in that, we will see that the Christmas story is actually kind of a messy story. But before I go on, will you commit this week to read the Christmas story? If you will, would you just raise your hand? I'm going to hold you to it. Come on. I want to get 100%. Come on. Come on. Put your hand up. Okay. Just kidding. Just kidding. Because it's a Christmas story. When you read it this week, I want you to see it in a little different light, that it's not this neat little story. It actually has some dysfunction in it a little bit. Let let me just give you a couple examples. How about this? Read it this week with the idea that there's a teenage couple that are not married that are all of a sudden pregnant. Oh, shoot. 
You see a woman, nine months pregnant, making a journey, riding on a donkey. Come on. And they get to where they're supposed to go, and there's no room in the, you know the story, right? And they get pushed off into a manger, and you know that the manger is messy and stinky and smelly. And then Jesus comes to earth, and then with what's happening politically at that time is that Herod is killing all the babies two years old and younger. I mean, this is horrific. And that's just on the outside. And then you think about Jesus in, in, from his perspective, the Christmas story. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is a really great verse. I love this. It says, this is a prophetic word about Jesus coming. It says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And in this verse, we see two important characteristics of who Jesus is. First of all, it says, for unto us a child is born. A human being is born. We know that God, Jesus, is, was fully man. He was human. But then the next verse says, the next phrase says, to us a son was given. And whose son is Jesus? He's the son of God. And so he's fully Man, but he's also fully God. We see his nature there. But for Jesus, the Christmas story, when you read it this week, put this into perspective, he had to spend nine months in the womb of a teenage girl. Jesus had to be pushed through the birth canal. I'm just saying. Just think about it. It's kind of weird. He was born not into a, a, you know, a home, but a manger. And then his family had to run for their lives. Did you know that Jesus was a fugitive? Not a fugitive, a refugee. <laughs> a refugee. They had to run for their lives. And then you look at Jesus in the Christmas story. It's all to, You put it together for 30 years. He's the son of God. He's fully God, fully man. But it took him 30 years in the carpenter's room. He's in obscurity before his ministry starts. And then, of course, there's three years of public ministry. And, yes, he had friends and disciples and followers, but he experienced great betrayal and loss. And then think of his story. It's all wrapped up in the Christmas story. He spent six hours on the cross, nailed to the cross. Before that, he was beaten and bruised, a crown of thorns pushed upon his head. And then he dies. They put him in a tomb wrapped up for three days. There was nothing easy, nothing smooth, nothing convenient. And that's all wrapped up in the Christmas story. And when you look at the verse that we've mentioned, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? That is a story of love. It's a story of sacrifice. It's a story of Jesus being selfless, being vulnerable. It's a story of love in its perfect love. And this week as I was preparing, I was thinking about the people in my life that I love the most. And of course, who came to mind first was my great wife of 23 years, Jessica Ellen Day. There she is. Beautiful. I think that Jessica 
is the most beautiful woman on the planet Earth breathing oxygen right now. I love her. I love my wife. And I was thinking about it, looking back when we first met as teenagers and growing in our love for each other, learning each other, learning to be vulnerable, and learning to make a commitment. I remember making a commitment to you that I asked you to marry me, and then you threw the ring back at me later. I'm just saying, I, I, we won't share all that story. And, I, and then we got married, and our story is a love story. And, and you, when you get married, it's for better or for worse. I think for her, it was worse, and for me, it was better. I get that. But it's a story of sacrifice. I would take a bullet for Jessica because I love her. I was thinking also, I love my kids. My kids have grown, and this is Reagan and Logan. If you guys don't know them, this was at the Christmas party a couple days ago uh, for the youth group. And uh, Logan, don't ever wear that sweater again. And uh, no, it's great. But uh, it's a, it, it was fun. And I was thinking that when Reagan came along 20 years ago, you know, you think as a young person, you're like, you know, you get married, you're going to have kids, you're going to love your kids. But I'm telling you, parents, you, you can, if you are a parent, you understand what I'm saying. When Reagan came along, it was like instant love. I loved her. And I remember holding her and thinking, this is ridiculous. We created her. And then a couple, few years later, Logan comes along, and I'm thinking, all along, Ray, Jessica's pregnant. I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to love another child as much as I love Reagan? But all you parents that have multiple kids, you know, the love doesn't divide. It multiplies, doesn't it? And it's incredible. And I remember, and I, and I love these guys. And I was thinking, you know, when we love them, we, I will protect these kids. There's a lot of selflessness when we're doing it right. And there's a lot of sacrifice being a parent. How all the parents in the room say amen to that, right? And I was thinking, does it ever stop? You know, um, you know I know some of you have adult kids, and, and I was talking with some folks after service, first service, and they are saying, no, it never stops. <laughs> the sacrifice just continues. But it was instant love when it came to my kids. And you know who else I love? I love the Gateway Church. And, and, and not the building, I get, you know, understand, I couldn't take a picture of all of you. But I, listen, I love you guys. And it's a, a love that's grown. It was a choice of mine to love you. Yes, there's difficult times. There's challenges. There's certainly sacrifice. But I give my time. I give my investment. I love what God is doing in missions. I love God, what God's doing with people. He's bringing people that, that need to be loved, that are hurting. Sometimes they're broken, and we, we can introduce them to Jesus. Us, and it's incredible. And I just want to tell you, I, from my perspective, there's no one that cares more, no one that prays more, no one that gives more. This is our life for my family. And we love you. We love the Gateway Church. And I love my kids. I love my wife. But as great as it is, it's still human love. And it falls short seriously compared to Jesus' love. My love is incomplete. My love is imperfect. I make some major mistakes, but God never does. 1 John 4, 16, God is love. 
As we look back to God's word, we know that Jesus is love, it's perfection, and that's the target. We want to be striving towards that. And Jesus said in 1 John 4, 7 that we are to love one another, right? And we understand that Christmas and love, you put those together, and, and, and Jesus has said, this is my commandment, John 15, 17, to love one another. And you're saying, well, how do we do that? Well, if you want to know what Jesus meant to love one another, we should probably look at Jesus and his life, right? And say, how did he spend his time? How was he selfless? We see him telling the truth in love. We see Jesus being vulnerable. We see Jesus being sacrificial. In John chapter 15, verse 13, it says this. It says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. Jesus laid down his life for us. He loved us. And what we see when we study Jesus and we look at how he loved us, we see that love is always action. It's a call to action. We don't have to wait to heaven to love. We can bring heaven to earth. And that's what we want to do. John 13, 35, just one page previous, it, it says this. It says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In other words, you should do something about your love. You need to act it out. You need to participate. If you turn to 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, 1 John 3.16, not John 3.16, but 1 John 3.16, look at what it says. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ, he laid down his life for us. What is this saying at Christmas time? The first part of this verse says this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ, he laid down his life. How did Jesus love? Well, we look at his story in the Gospels, and in every case he called sin, sin. But then he paid for it. And he says, you know what? You do not have to be condemned by your sin. What it's saying is that Jesus is leaning in and saying, I love you. Jesus, how does he love? He says, leave your life of sin. He shows us a pathway to do that. But then he says, if you don't, I still love you. If you can't love me, he says, I still love you. If the wounds in your life are too great in your mind, listen, I still love you. If someone has sinned against you and set you into a destructive patterns in your life, what Jesus is saying, he's saying, I love you. And the truth is, you and I are sinners. But it's God, it's grace, it's Jesus, it's the Christmas story. And Jesus is saying, look, I do not condemn you. Instead, it's like he's whispering. And when I was thinking about whispering those three words, I thought about my kids. And Reagan, you'll remember this. Logan remembered it first service. When my kids were younger, 
when there was kind of chaos going around or whatever, I'd come up to them and pretend like I had a secret to tell them. And I would mumble jumble something like this. <laughs> Didn't I? And then I would whisper, I love you. And I did that dozens, if not hundreds of times when they were growing up. I would be like, <laughs> and then I'd pause, and they'd be listening, and I'd say, I love you. I love you. And I was thinking, you know, I just see God in heaven slowing us down, and there might be some gibberish, <laughs> some stuff going on in your life, but what I see happening this morning, as I see God breaking through heaven to earth and whispering to you, I love you. I love you. And according to Scripture, all you got to do to receive that love is to understand that Jesus, he died on the cross for you. He took your sin. And all you got to do is put your faith in him. And what he does is a miracle. He takes away your sin. Mind blown, right? He takes away your sin. He takes it as far as the east is from the west. And he offers it. We call it the gift of salvation. It's rooted in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him would not perish. You're not going to have to live forever away from God but if you believe in him, you'll have everlasting life. And this morning, we want to offer that free gift of salvation as part of our Christmas to remember service. And so I'm going to ask that you would just consider praying this prayer with me. It's a prayer of salvation. I'm going to pray it here in a second, and you can agree with me. This can be your prayer. And I'm going to encourage you that if this is your prayer, just partner with me. Uh, uh, say the words under your mouth with me. And, and believe in your heart. And the truth of God's Word is when you believe and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus, He comes in and He makes residence in our heart. And you are saved. And he no longer holds that sin against you. It's incredible. So let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that we, even though we're sinners, we've made mistakes, that we can put our faith in you. And Lord, that you save us. And so right now, I'm asking that you would save me and that you take away my sin. And Lord, that you would, God, that you would make my heart white again. I pray that you would take my sin away and, and God, that you'd set my feet on a rock and putting me in the right direction. And Jesus, I pray that you would do in my life what I can't do on my own. That you would save me. Save me this Christmas. I pray this in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask that you would just close your eyes here if they're not already closed. And I'm just curious. In a room this size with uh, folks uh, from all different walks of life, I'm wondering if th that prayer that I just prayed, if that was your prayer today. 
You're saying, Pastor, I, I was agreeing with you, and, and I, I prayed that prayer along with you. Would you just slip up your hand? Maybe you're coming back to the Lord. Yes, thank you. Who else? Yeah, thank you. Yes. One, two, three, four, five. Who else? Say, yeah, I needed that. I, I want to come back. I want Yes, thank you, young man. Anybody else? Say, yes. You can put your hand down. Thank you. For those of you that just raised your hands, I want you to know that as the Lord is whispering, I love you, and you've responded, that today is a new day and you will never be the same. Now we've got some next steps for you. We've got some things that we'd love to connect with you. And in the new year, 2020, we've got some classes that will be coming and, and we want to connect. We want to see you grow. And so we want you to be connecting with us. But we want you to know you've made the best decision. Could I get all the eyes on me? And let's just give the Lord a great big praise for what God's doing. He's moving here. He's moving here. Amen. Amen. He's whispering. And he's saying, I love you. I love you. It's beautiful. But I don't believe that that's the only thing that God is whispering to us today. In our verse, 1 John 3.16, the verse at the beginning talks about Jesus laying down, paying the price for us, right? That he laid down his life for us. But then the verse goes on. Let's look at it together. 1 John 3, 16, 17, and 18. Look what this verse says. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And then it says, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Look around in the room. That's where we're supposed to lay our lives down for each other. It says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. This is where we come back to what I believe God is whispering. Not only is he whispering, I love you, he's also revealing areas that we can be a part to meet some needs within our body. I want you to take your sheet out here, and on the very top one, it says that there is a reliable vehicle needed for two families in our church. And when I was preparing for this message on Wednesday and just praying in my office, which is the nursery, I got a little table set up there, and I'm rocking back and forth and trying not to fall asleep. The Lord put an idea in my heart. I believe it was from the Lord. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to give away two vehicles on Christmas Sunday? Wouldn't that be awesome? That was what I, I was feeling inside my heart. I was like, this would be incredible. And I knew the two families that were represented here. So we reached out to them, got some details, and, and we're looking. And then we, we're working and we're saying, okay. And so at that night at 
prayer on Wednesday night, prayer. We had like 23 of us that were there. And by the way, we're going to be praying in the new year that's going to follow the, the season. Uh, every time the youth group meets, we are going to be praying. And we're going to be teaching you to pray. And it's going to be awesome. But we had 23. And I said I shared the idea. I said, man, wouldn't it be great if we gave away two cars and, and on Christmas Sunday? And, uh, and we... We, we, had, we gave out little cards, and, and that night, $1,100 was committed. Just like that. And I was like, whoa. I'm like, there's something to this. And so I did a little more investigating, putting some feelers out. And before service this morning, we had already raised for that first line, for two reliable vehicles, we've raised over $6,500. And I was like, oh. And so we had also reached out to a little dealership in town. And we have two vehicles that are on hold. And, uh, and, and we, the goal there was like 12500 And we thought, ah, we're not going to get there for Christmas Sunday. But I had a peace about it. And this is what I really felt like the Lord was doing. That maybe the vehicles that were to give away through connections like this, Maybe the vehicle will even come from the people as well. Maybe you have a vehicle that you would like to sell to provide. I don't know. This is what we want to do. This is how we want to end the service this year, Christmas, our Christmas service. I want you to look at this list. Just kind of read through it. And maybe the Holy Spirit, maybe Jesus will be whispering to you, you know what, we could help with those repairs. We could pay for those two windows. We could provide a desktop computer. We could, you know, help with the Christmas for a 10-year-old son. We could help with the bottom one, three other families that just have a general financial need. Or maybe I'll pay for the tires for a vehicle. Or maybe I'll partner with Pastor and maybe we'll get these vehicles sold. And so this is what I'm asking you to do. We're going to sing one final song. And on the back side, it's blank. And if the Lord whispers something to you, I want you to write it down. Saying, hey, I'd like to help or I'd like to be a part of that. And, and like what I did first service, I took my blow money that I'd been saving up for a long time and then some Christmas money that came in last night. And I wrote on the back, I said, all right, the amount. And I said, I want it to go towards the vehicles. And then I folded it up in my... Uh, in my little thing here, and then I put it, in, it's still in here actually, but uh, but right like that. And I want to encourage you to maybe do the same. And some of you are prepared to give a benevolent offering. Others of you might say, man, I didn't know, or maybe this is my first time here, but the Lord's whispering something. And you can even do an IOU and bring it back next Sunday or put it in the mail. However the Lord speaks it to you, what I'm believing is that every single one of these needs are going to be met in Jesus' name. Amen? Can you believe that with me? That God could do something amazing? He's already moving. Let's finish it. Let's do this. Let's stand together. And as the Lord leads you, we've got a bucket here and a bucket here. The benevolent offering during the song when you're ready. We want you to participate. You come and you put your benevolent offering in. Return to your seat. Let's worship together. And let's just ask God to do a miracle to create this Christmas to be a Christmas that we'll never forget, a Christmas to remember. Let's worship the Lord. God, so grateful for what you're doing here. Thank you, God, that you're speaking to us. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us in this moment? Lord, I pray that we would not... 
we'd slow down enough to listen and not only hear, I love you, but also, I need you to partner, to provide for some of these needs, to make it a Christmas to remember. You know, I think the reason the Lord put the vehicle idea on my heart just to kind of rally, I know the benefit of having a good, reliable vehicle. And for my wife to have a good, reliable vehicle. And we have, over the years, driven a lot of piece of junk. Uh, <laughs> I remember one time we were driving down the road in the winter, and all of a sudden my seat went poof. And all of a sudden, I hear road noise. My, my seat fell right through. I'm like, what in the world? I remember Reagan telling me not to pick her up at school with, with what we called the Hummer. It wasn't a Hummer. It was a little Honda Civic that made so much noise you could hear it three blocks coming. Remember? And I, I, So anyway, I remember. I, we've been there. We, we've been there. And uh, where was I going with this? cars. Yeah, yeah. And so I know the blessing and all these needs. And maybe you have other needs. Or maybe you know of someone else in your circles that has a need that isn't mentioned here or someone in your family. When you listen to the voice of God and you respond, it's a miracle for the other person on the other side. And we get to partner with Jesus to, to do those things. And it is the most fun you'll ever have with money. And so I'm praying that there will be a generosity well up within our body of believers here, our church body, like never before. And that these needs will be met. And I just pray over these uh, benevolent offerings that it's going to meet the need that this week as other ideas emerge, that God is going to get all the glory and all the honor. And so let's just pray. Lord, I pray that you would use us. Use us, Lord. We're listening, God. We're tuned in. Holy Spirit, speak to us and help us to be obedient. Help us to well up with generosity. And Lord, I pray that you would get all the glory, all the honor. And Lord, as we leave here today, I pray that you would just bless each of us. Go before us, behind us, and all around us. In Jesus' name. Go in the grace of God. Have a wonderful Christmas week. We love you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.